So welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. I'm Dr. Marva Mola Metolo, and I'm here today with Dr. Molly Bodring from the University of Stanford to talk about um, their article called Non-Alcoholic Beverage Consumption Among U.S. Adults Who Consume Alcohol. So welcome to the podcast, Molly. Um, could you start by briefly introducing yourself to the listeners, please? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I am a clinical scholar in the Stanford University School of Medicine, uh, which means I practice one day a week in our addiction medicine dual diagnosis clinic, uh, providing therapy for clients who struggle with addiction. And I also work as a postdoctoral researcher in the Stanford Prevention Research Center uh, studying substance use. Um, so your study that was published in Addiction um, looked at the use of non-alcoholic beverages to identify demographic and alcohol use predictors associated with their consumption, right? Um, and for any UK-based listeners, we refer to them as alcohol-free uh, drinks in the UK. So it could actually be helpful to give a bit of a definition of these um, beverages for listeners who may not be familiar. Would you mind doing that? Sure, yeah. So the United States Food and Drug Administration, or FDA, defines non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic wine as having less than 0.5% alcohol by volume. That's compared to a standard beer that would be about 5% or standard wine that would be about 12%. Mm -hmm. um, when I refer to non-alcoholic beverages throughout our talk today, I'm referring to non-alcoholic beers, non-alcoholic wines, in addition to non-alcoholic liquors and mocktails, which would be mixed drinks that mirror a cocktail without inducing intoxication. Um, so what about the um, popularity of these kinds of drinks in the, in the US? Like, could you talk about that a little bit? Is that something that a, a, a large group of uh, people are starting to use or is it a small minority? So these drinks have definitely been around for decades in the U.S. and globally, but they've been increasing in availability and popularity in recent years. I will say that they still only make up a small percentage of the total alcohol market, so less than 1%, um, but there's been a growth in their sales uh, by about 18 to 30% year on year since 2018 at least. And so that's making up about $300 million in sales yearly, which is pretty significant. In the U.S., we don't have great data on what percentage of people are consuming, which is in part why we wanted to run this study to get a sense for among alcohol consumers, how often are people consuming non-alcoholic beverages, what are their reasons, etc. Um, what did you do to answer your research question in that case? So we conducted two online surveys recruiting U.S. adults who consume alcohol. Um, we used a platform called Prolific that has research participants who are registered and are interested in participating in surveys like these. And in our first survey, we recruited about 1,900 people, and 60% of those reported having consumed non-alcoholic beverages at some point in their life, and about 30% reported consuming them within the past year. So then we invited that 30% to participate in a second, more detailed survey where we asked questions about their demographic and alcohol use characteristics, as well as about their non-alcoholic beverage use practices. So could you tell a little bit about the descriptive data around the um, consumption of non-alcoholic beverages in terms of their monthly consumption and the characteristics of people who were more likely to consume these drinks? Yeah, so about half of the sample consumed non-alcoholic beverages multiple times per month. 
people reported using non-alcoholic liquor and uh, mocktails most commonly, followed by non-alcoholic beer and then followed by non-alcoholic wine, which is consistent with market research showing that mocktails are becoming the most popular type consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, we found that about half of people consumed non-alcoholic beverages, um, again, multiple times per month, and most people consumed two or more per occasion, but there was a cap where very few were reporting five or more per per occasion. So it seems like people are drinking maybe two to four in general when they're drinking them. And what about in terms of the relationship between consumption of non-alcoholic beverages and alcohol consumption itself? Were there anything, any interesting findings there? So there was a positive association between non-alcoholic beverage consumption quantity and frequency with alcohol use quantity and frequency, respectively. So, for example, people who consumed alcohol monthly or more were more likely to report consuming non-alcoholic beverages monthly or more. Um, So we're seeing that association. That's interesting. So I think um, later on, you'll look at um, the relationship between the consumption of these non-alcoholic beverages and people's perceived desires and consumption for alcohol, which seems to indicate something different than that previous finding. So, um, you know, you, uh, you report that most people didn't notice any change in their desire for alcohol, but for some people, about 25 percent. And they think that having these non-alcoholic beverages reduces their desire for alcohol. And actually, for some people, actually about half of the uh, people, they reported that they think these non-alcoholic beverages help them reduce their alcohol consumption. But the data seems to suggest slightly different, slightly contradictory things there. What do you think about that? Yeah, so unfortunately, this is where retrospective self-report data on general use patterns is limited. On the one hand, we might say, hey, if people who are drinking more alcohol are also drinking more non-alcoholic beverages, it doesn't seem like it's actually helping them to reduce. Um, but on the other hand, we don't know the counterfactual. So if they those people were not drinking non-alcoholic beverages, they might be drink, drinking any, even more alcohol. Um, we also, from this data, don't know, are people substituting for alcohol within occasion, right? Are, are they alternating an alcoholic beverage with a non-alcoholic beverage, which would be quite helpful in uh, kind of flattening the curve, the rate of intoxication, so that maybe participants, maybe individuals are not getting heavily intoxicated. Um, and we don't know if they're alternating across occasions. So is it that these people who are consuming a lot of alcohol are drinking a lot of alcohol on one night and then a lot of non-alcoholic beverages on another night? So that's where we need more data to really understand what mm-hmm. patterns are looking like. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important, isn't it? Because that's uh, kind of determining whether these drinks can be helpful or even unhelpful in some cases, because it could also be that people who are drinking alcoholic drinks are drinking these non-alcoholic beverages in addition to alcohol, which kind of means that it's not even reducing um, any harm related to alcohol in that case, right? So it's not possible quite just from this data to see that pattern of whether alcoholic drinks are being replaced with non-alcoholic beverages are being drunk in addition to um, across different occasions, within occasions, yeah. So it's really, it would be really interesting to have data on that. Absolutely. And yeah, as you highlighted, um, 
a lot of people are in the sample, at least are saying they don't feel like non-alcoholic beverages are necessarily changing their desire for alcohol. Yes, uh, about a quarter said they do feel like it reduces. A small percentage said they feel like it increases. But about half of people are saying that they think they do drink less alcohol consumption because of their NAB use. So at least based on that subjective experience, people are saying, I think this is a harm reduction tool for me. Um, and what we need is more objective data to determine, is that really the case? Is it really helping you or, or is the perception skewed for one reason or another? The next thing I wanted to ask about was the, so you had some people who met criteria for current alcohol use disorders and past alcohol use disorders in your sample. Um, and you looked at for reasons, their reasons for consuming non-alcoholic beverages. Would you mind talking a little bit about those findings? Yeah, so we didn't confirm specific um, diagnosis. What we focused on, we asked, yeah, have you been diagnosed? But only a small percentage has. So what we instead focused on was using the CAGE screener for risk for AUD. So we split the sample based on, are you at risk for having alcohol use disorder or did you screen negative and you don't seem to be at risk for having alcohol use disorder? And we found that among um, people who were at risk, they were more likely to say that they were using non-alcoholic beverages um, for health reasons and an effort to try to reduce or abstain from alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. They also were more likely to say that they felt like non-alcoholic beverages were leading to a reduction in their alcohol use, about 66% among um, that group compared to half um, of the overall sample. Um, and they were more likely to say they felt like it was reducing their desire for alcohol about 36% compared to 25% in the overall sample. Um, so the idea that non-alcoholic beverages might be a harm reduction tool seems to be even more so the case um, when we look at people who are um, at risk for alcohol use disorder, that they at least think that it's helping them, um, which may be the case for some. But we're also seeing that about 10% of people who were at risk for AUD said that they felt like non-alcoholic beverages increased their desire for alcohol. Um, so there are definitely some individual differences that seem to be contributing to the at least perceived impact of non-alcoholic beverages. And again, this is where we need some objective data to really know what's going on. The other thing I noticed in your findings was about the context of drinking non-alcoholic beverages. So um, from my reading of your findings, it seems to be that people are most likely to be consuming these non-alcoholic beverages in the same settings or context where alcohol is usually consumed. Um, is, that, is that right? Instead of settings where alcohol wouldn't be expected or wouldn't be tolerated to be consumed. So I thought this was kind of interesting because uh, we see a lot of addition marketing in industry where brands that try and sell alcohol-free beers, let's say, often they uh, present their product in settings where alcohol wouldn't be allowed, um, legal or kind of frown, frowned upon. So I was kind of interested in seeing that actually people's own patterns of drinking these drinks don't seem to match with that. Yeah. What did you think yeah. about that? Yeah, so I, I think it was about 70% of the sample said that they're drinking in settings where other people are drinking alcohol. Um, so in those settings, they're drinking a non-alcoholic beverage, which might be because they're um, seeking to fit in, right, with the social experience. In many cases, you can't tell whether or not a non-alcoholic beverage is indeed a non-alcoholic beverage, right? Wine looks like wine, uh, a mocktail looks like a cocktail. Um, 
We did find that about 30% of people um, endorsed using these drinks while driving, um, which would be that hopefully an additive experience rather than a necessarily a substitute experience. Um, so it seems like there are definitely some circumstances in which it's a new um, context in which people are consuming. Um, but yeah, by and large, it seems that people are consuming in settings where alcohol consumption is already involved that social setting and being able to fit in, that's kind of where how these um, non-alcoholic beverages could be helpful, couldn't it? Or for social drinkers as well, right, who are just looking to reduce their drinking. Um, and I think the risk that um, comes with potentially with these beverages is all of the alcohol cues that come with them, right, which I don't think we've quite talked about explicitly yet. But with non-alcoholic beverages, there is the taste that is a cue. There is the look and feel of the beverage. In many cases, there's the brand because more and more full strength um, alcohol brands are producing non-alcoholic beverages. So all of these can contribute to cues that might elicit craving. Um, and then you add that to being in a context where other people are drinking. That can be a, a quite risky scenario for folks um, who are maybe early in recovery or who are pursuing abstinence. And that's where we really want to think about, is this a helpful place for people to be in? Is this a helpful beverage for people to be consuming? We've talked a little bit about some of the future research that needs to be done. Do you have any plans yourself about um, expanding on this research? Well, so um, I'm hoping to receive some funding to be able to conduct an ecological momentary assessment study um, among involving people who have alcohol use disorder. So I would be um, providing them with portable breathalyzers where multiple times throughout the night, they could provide a BAC measure. And they would also be responding to prompts on a smartphone um, where they can indicate how many non-alcoholic beverages they've had. So we can start to look at patterns of alcohol and non-alcoholic beverages within and across occasions and also contextual factors that might influence that. Um, so pending funding, hoping mm -hmm. that I'll be able to look at that. Uh, thinking about these findings that we talked about and other findings in your paper, what would you say are the implications um, theoretically or research or public health implications? Yeah, well, I think from a research standpoint, my hope is that this paper, along with the others that have been conducted in this area to date, which have been few, but there have been some, um, my hope is that we're beginning to plant a seed that this is an important area of research with the boom of non-alcoholic beverages, increasing availability and popularity. It is really important for us to understand how does this influence alcohol use, since many of the consumers are people who currently consume alcohol. So both for social drinkers who maybe do not have have problems with managing their alcohol use, but also for people who are at risk for alcohol use disorder or who have a current diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, so hoping that we'll see more research on this topic. There are a lot of open questions in this area. And then from more of a practical standpoint, I don't think we're at a place where we can make recommendations about for whom are these helpful. Um, on the one hand, our data suggests that many people find these to be helpful, and so maybe they are a harm reduction tool for some. Um, but we can also say that there are theoretical reasons that they might not be useful, and even data um, from this study that show for at least a small portion of people, um, they might be increasing alcohol use based on their, their self-report. And so I would encourage people to approach the drinks with caution, right? If you're somebody who already uses them, be reflective about how is this impacting your desire for alcohol and your consumption in that same night or across the week, and just be kind of curious about the relation between your non-alcoholic beverage use and your alcohol use. 
Mm-hmm, definitely. I think you've summarized that perfectly. I think just because these drinks don't contain alcohol themselves or contain negligible amounts of alcohol doesn't mean that they're overall harmless for every single person. And we need to um, have more research to be able to understand their potential um, impacts across the population. Um, was there anything else you, you'd like to add about your findings or your study? I think we captured it. I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me about it today. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's been really interesting. And thank you so much for your time and for your paper as well. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks.